Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Have You Not Heard? I am Angel H. Davis. I am your host, and we are bringing hope and healing to a hurting world. Today, we have part two of our Monday Thursday post. Thank you for your patience and allowing me to deal with my stress in a healthy way that did not lead to negative repercussions for myself or for others. (laughs) So we're going to talk about Jesus's stress management plan. If there's anybody who walked on earth or is walking on earth that understands stress, it has to be Jesus. You know, I I listened to a um, rendition this morning of how he actually was beaten and flogged and just the instruments that were used that tore at his flesh. And it was just excruciating just to hear. And if you've ever watched The Passion of Christ, it certainly is probably the best uh, visual depiction of what might have happened to him. But we know the scriptures say in Isaiah 53 that he was unrecognizable. That's how badly he was beaten and flogged and whipped and um, all of that before he had to carry his cross himself and then be put on the cross and die for our sins. So we are so grateful for what he's done. It is Good Friday and so his worst night has become our best day and we are so grateful and we want to learn from him and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to live uh, not stress-free because actually stress can be helpful and he also says that in this world you will have trouble so stressors come at us things happen to us Um, we live in a sinful fallen world So we are going to have stressors, everyday stressors and trauma. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. That will be our eternity if we've accepted Christ and what he's done on the cross and through his resurrection as our payment for our sins. Then we will have a time where the word says there will be no pain, no more tears, no more suffering. But for now, we're in the in-between and we can learn from Jesus and how he walked here on earth as fully human and fully God, but we can learn from that human part of him on how to access through the Holy Spirit what sovereign God has for us and all of heaven has um, uh, available to us. So before I dive into that, there is good stress, there is bad stress. What And what stresses one person may not stress another. So there's actually stressors and then the stress is the response we feel. For example, some people get very stressed out over money. They may have a lot of money or a little money or somewhere in between and they stress about it. Other people don't even give it a second thought. They can live much more carefreely about if they have enough or don't have enough. And a lot of that has to do with our backgrounds and how we were raised. And there's so many things that go into the factors that might stress us versus somebody else. 
but let's just say, suffice it to say that we all feel stress and this world has a lot of stressors and it seems in our current age that those have ramped up. Now, if we look at history, we look at the Bible, it's nothing new under man. It's new maybe for our generation, but um, certainly when Jesus was walking the earth, there were all kinds of similar stressors going on, maybe different names and different forms, very similar. So good stress is good for us. It, it, it accesses our um, fight or flight response, our biochemical part of our brain that helps us respond correctly to maybe a dangerous situation to get us out of there. Like if you're trying to run, um, you know, across the street and there's a car coming and, and you see it and you're able to pivot or you're getting a child out of the way. Um, and even just excited, you know, when we're excited, it doesn't have to be something bad happening, but we're anticipating something exciting happening, like a wedding that's coming up and you're about to get married. And so you have a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. There's no threat or fear. Um, so that can raise up our um, stress, biochemical stress also, but in a good way. And it helps our immune system work. It, it, it just, there's a lot of biochemical issues that go into that and psychological and emotional benefits. But we're not going to break that down. Just suffice it to say it's there. You can research it if you want. Now, chronic stress, things that go on for a long time, or if your fight or flight mechanism in the brain is on all the time, like I am sure um, people in war experience, you know, that's why we're praying so fervently for Ukraine and the Russia situation and and all the refugees from the, the wars um, past and present um, because a lot of that gets turned on and then it's hard to turn off. And we've dealt with some of that in the trauma series if you want to go back and look at that. But again, we're going to be looking at how Jesus dealt with stress and what we can learn from him. So I just took the book of Mark and I went through it and looked at this and and I came up with 12 different things as I looked at that book of how Jesus dealt with stress in a really healthy way. So number one, and these are in the show notes, you can look them up, you know, or reference them. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we as believers in Christ have that same Holy Spirit that we can be empowered by. So just as Jesus was empowered, we can be empowered. Here's Mark 1, 9 through 13. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from the heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. What happened to Jesus was as soon as he's baptized, he was sent out into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit sent him there. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And again, that's another thing we won't unpack today, but a fascinating thing when you look at his temptations, they were all the things that uh, we need um, to be able to, uh, he needed to come against so that we could live freely. 
Um, he was with the wild animals and the angels attended to him. And then another uh, book of uh, the gospels talked about how he came out of the desert in the wilderness, empowered and full of the Holy Spirit. So that's part of what stress is about in this life is getting more full of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, but we, when we say yes to Christ as the payment for our sin, we believe we're sinners and he died for our sin and we receive what he's done as payment. We receive Holy Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. And so our thinking, our uh, belief system, maybe some of the trauma that's happened in our past kind of thing can keep us from understanding and living in the fullness of who the Holy Spirit is for us. So we keep uh, pressing in, we keep learning, we keep getting healed, uh, healing from past, and we get our minds renewed so that we can have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit changes, it's just that we can receive it in a more um, full way. So it'd be, a, you know, an analogy is like you've got money in the bank, but you don't have the, the uh, code to get in it to be able to actually use it. And the sin of others, the sin of ourselves, uh, just the falling world and how we um, have interpreted that can get in the way sometimes of that. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit is in us and we're just learning how to um, let him empower us. Really dying to self, trying to not do it ourselves and allowing his power to do it for us. Enough of that. Let's go on to number two. So Jesus knew who he was. He knew his true identity. And we go back to that scripture that I just read and it's verse 11 where he said, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Now y'all, when we receive Christ as our savior, and the old is gone, the new has come. This is our identity. We are a son or a daughter in Christ. We are loved by sovereign God. And he is well pleased with us because we inherit what Christ inherited. So this is our inheritance. Now you're telling me, angel, no, you don't know how much I've sinned. No, I fall short all the time. I'm saying I get it. I do too. But this is what grace is about. We inherit undeservedly what we don't deserve. That's what grace is. So because Christ is fully accepted, fully loved, and he is well pleased, the father's well pleased with him. So are we. So we start agreeing with, if we want to deal with stress well here on earth, then we start agreeing with God who he says we are. And we, our true identity as a son or a daughter of the king. So in that, when you know your authority, your, your identity, then you know your authority. In Mark 1.22, this is what they said about Jesus. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. 
Mark 2.10 said, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So we have authority to operate in what the Holy Spirit has given us through Christ. And when we know our identity, we tend to use that authority more. All right, number three, Jesus lived in community. This is so important. And you think about what COVID has tried to do and all the different divides that have been going on has tried to separate us, not gather together, not live in community. But he lived in community and community is a nice buffer for stress. I mean, what do we want to do if we're stressed out or we're worried about something? We want to talk to somebody. We want somebody to be with us, to be on our side, right? And it doesn't mean they have to agree with us necessarily, but just to know you're not in it alone. When you hurt, um, whether it's emotionally or physically, what do you want? You want somebody to be with you in that. And uh, I believe that's why there's suicide is on the rise because we are we don't have authentic community. People think they have to live in isolation. Even though we have all this connectedness through social media, it's not authentic community doing life together, pouring out our hearts and our souls and safe places where we can just uh, be human with our flaws and all, with our sins and all, and still be loved. And if Jesus needed community, then we need community. And if you don't have it, please just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring community. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be a very small, uh, two or more gathered together in, your, in Jesus' name. He is there. He is present. And that is community. So Mark 3, 13 through 19 says, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And then it goes on to name who the 12 were. So he handpicked a close community of 12. And of course, we know there was more. It went from there, but that's where it started the inner circle, so to speak. So we need community. Number four, he spent time alone with God in prayer. So yes, we need community, but we also need that individual, intimate, personal, one-on-one relationship with God. And prayer is our access to that. Holy Spirit is who empowers us to do that. And um, again, Jesus is shed blood and uh, resurrection affords us. He tore the veil. So there's no separation between us and sovereign God. We can go freely to the throne of grace, as the word says. So Mark one thirty-five says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark six forty-five through 46 Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. I can say that word. While he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Mark 9, 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. So there's a lot of accounts of Jesus stealing away on his own early in the morning to pray with God. 
Now there's no script that says you have to do it early in the morning, but there is an advantage to that because then you've got your, what we believe is Jesus got his marching orders for the day. It also made him sensitive um, as a man, fully man, to his father and listening to him and watching to see what he would do. And John, it talks about he only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. So when we plug in in the morning, whether it's five minutes, an hour, you know, whatever it is, to the word of God and intimate personal relationship with God, then that can set our whole day in the right direction. Number five, he knew how to spend his energy. So he made choices about how to spend his energy. As a man, he had limited energy, just like you and I do. And he had to sleep and eat and rest and do the things we need to do. And again, the, uh, the chosen series, you know, really reflects that so well, shows his, uh, humanness, but Mark 1, 35 through 39, it says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place. So again, there he is spending time with uh, his father. He prayed Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So there's the, the demands of the people, right? Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So he didn't just react to the current need or, the, or what the people wanted at the time. Again, he's getting his download from God. He's choosing how to use his time because he had limited time. He wasn't getting off track on his purpose and he's following God. So he had to say no to things in order to say yes to what God says. And we've got to do the same, especially those that are in ministry. Um, there are so many demands and so many people and so many needs that it's easy to get distracted and not stay on course. And it seems like a good thing, but it may not be. Okay, so I don't think I ever told you guys the story of my flooding in the house. I mentioned it two episodes ago. And what happened, and um, maybe someday Bob Goff will hear this story, but I was listening to his Undistracted podcast or, or on his new book, Undistracted. And I'm cleaning my house. I stopped up the um, bathtub in my master bathtub, went to the kitchen to get something, because I was going to clean out the jets, right? I was doing deep cleaning. I was having a great time. I mean, enjoying this teaching, beautiful spring day. So I got distracted listening to Undistracted and I started cleaning my kitchen. Then I went outside, took care of my plants. About an hour later, I decided to clean my bathroom floor and you guessed it, I mean, flooded. And our basement is right below. So the basement was flooded. It was a mess. Anyway, God showed up in big ways through help and through insurance. So I'm very grateful. But here's one of the lessons I learned. And he said, when you are focused on something else than what I want you to focus on, um, you know, problems can happen. So again, only so much energy that I have and you have. And so we need to make sure we're focused on um, what he wants us to be focused on and using our energy in 
our purpose in not getting distracted. Now, the other lesson, so not to discourage you, is the first thing he told me, I said, well, why didn't you like, you know, quicken my spirit to go check on that? How could I be so peaceful when my house is flooding on the other side of the house? And he said, I'm asleep in the boat. I've got you. I've got this covered. So even though it was a storm in my life, so to speak, he was in it. He took care of it. He's teaching me lessons, but he's also helping with the outcome. So anyway, there goes my flood story and the analogies that I have for you there. All right, moving on. Number six, and we've really kind of talked about this, but it's just reiterating it. He was led by the spirit and by his father. He was not dictated by expectations or the people around him. So here's Mark 2, 27 through 28. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even over, even of the Sabbath. So I think you, you can go back and read that story, but they were getting on him because he was doing good on the Sabbath. I think he was healing somebody and they said, that's against the rules. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm in charge. So yes, there's rules. Yes, there's things, you know, that is culturally or even religiously um, appropriate and, and um, may be what's usually good, but he knows what's best for all. So we want to follow him um, as we're going through this life. Number seven, he operated out of faith and not fear. Mark 10, 32 through 34, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. So he's leading in faith. He's walking in faith. And even though there's tons of stressors, because he, if he's telling the disciples it's going to happen to him, that's a huge stress. He is uh, walking in faith. And we can say in the Garden of Gethsemane, maybe that faith was faltering. Maybe it wasn't. We don't know. But what we know is he was strengthened as he was honest. And um, we're going to talk about that in a minute. All right. Number eight, he depended on God to meet his needs and the needs of others. Mark 8, 1 through 9. I won't read that, but that's Jesus feeding the 4,000 plus, because uh, we know it was 4,000 men plus women and children. And yes, the disciples helped that process, but there was a great need and Jesus was able to fill it as he counted on the empowerment of the spirit and sovereign God's plan for those people. And so a long time ago, the Lord just quickened my spirit that so much of life is like this, that we have the fish and loaves and we hand them to him and he does the exponential. So when we're looking at things in our life and we have needs, whether they're personally or for somebody else, we give Jesus our fish and loaves and let him transform it into the exponential. We are not in charge of the exponential. He is, and he's faithful. Number nine, he lived with an attitude of humility and servanthood. And again, I think that goes uh, without saying Mark 10, 31, Mark 10, 44 are examples. 
and you can go and read those. These are in your show notes also. Um, he lived authentically. He poured out his heart to God, you know, in the garden of Gethsemane, as we've been talking about, he anguished, poured out his heart to God. He was so honest, not, you know, can we do this another way? Do we have to do this this way? And then he ended up not my will be done, but your will be done. And he received care from others. Think about um, Mark 4, I mean, Mark 14, 3 through 9. Here, I'm going to read it. We, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar, poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always have always have you will always have the poor with you you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me she did what she could she could she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial truly i tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will also be told in her memory and here we are talking about it right so because Jesus lived authentically, poured his heart out to God, received care from others. He was able to fulfill his purpose, even though people didn't understand it. And then people get to participate. You and I get to participate with him in finishing out his pur uh, the purposes he has for us here on earth, even if people don't understand. And um, that's, we could unpack that a, a whole bunch, but Again, that may be for another day. Number 11, Jesus lived in forgiveness. Of course, his, you know, some of his last words on the cross is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they've done. And so we are to live in forgiveness. Um, and there's lots of scriptures there, but I have a few in your show notes. And lastly, he was motivated by love. Everything he did was motivated by love, love for his father first and love for us second. So Mark 8, 2, um, then John 15, 21, 1 John 3, 16. I love this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So yes, God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that we could be saved. And he also is calling us to love others by going back to what we talked about yesterday, Monday, Thursday, that command, that Monday means command, and it's to be servant hearted, to live in humility and love for others, selfish, unselfish love for others. And it's hard to do, but we can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are people across the world that literally 
uh, lose their lives physically for their brothers or sisters. There's people that are doing that in this war. Um, and, and certainly that can happen over here on this side of the pond. But uh, for the most part, we who live in the United States are called to die to self, our selfish nature, in order to serve others. And that may look really small, like, oh gosh, you know, I'd rather go do X, Y, and Z instead of picking up somebody and taking them to a doctor's appointment or to church or wherever. But I'm choosing to lay down that desire in order to help them out. It may be that little. It may be you know, a call to give a lot of money to a uh, worthy cause or to help the orphans or, um, you know, it, it may be more costly than a little bit of time. But through the Holy Spirit, we can do what we're called to do. And what we know is that it's a path to joy. To joy. And Christ calls us to pick up our cross and follow him daily. And um, we have opportunity to do that. But what better day to learn from Jesus, um, his stress management plan, so we can live like Jesus. I, I was talking to somebody this morning, and out of my mouth came, it is our duty to receive grace. And she said, what do you mean by that? And I was like, I'm not sure. Holy Spirit, tell me. And what I understood was because the price, the horrific price that sovereign God pay, paid by giving us his son to, to rectify the sin problem in our world, for Jesus to go through the horrific uh, physical but emotional, um, you know, he was mocked, he was not believed, he was canceled so many times before cancel culture became a thing. I mean, the list goes on and on. Anything that you have dealt with, he's dealt with in some degree or another. But the pain, body, soul, and spirit he went through for us, and then the actual death, um, we have a duty to receive his love and to live in that love. And that is empowered through grace through the Holy Spirit, so that we can, like he, live with humility, live in service to others, and live in love. So let's celebrate Easter and honor him well by entering into his stress management plan. Oh, Holy Father, thank you so much that you've done it all you said on the cross it is finished and it means everything we need in order to have life and life abundant despite the sin and stress that we deal with we are able to say it is well with our soul because of who you are and how you've empowered us through the Holy Spirit so help us honor you well with every breath we have here on this side of eternity and we look forward Lord to that beautiful time with you where there is no pain and no suffering and we can walk in the garden with you hand in hand full of joy as you desire it to be we love you we praise you we honor you and we thank
thank you for the gift of Easter. And it's in your powerful, precious name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.